If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We are live with a new episode of the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for this Wednesday, May 7th, in the year of our Lord, 2014, <laughs> alongside a very nicely quaffed Ian Ferguson. My name is Pat Contry. How's everyone doing out there? Good? How are you doing, Ian? I'm dandy. Dandy? How's your, how's your day going so far? Not not well? I woke up a bit fiery. <clears throat> <laughs> A little ornery? Yeah, I don't know. Wednesdays, it's usually about the point I'm at. It's after my days off. Wednesday is my Monday. You've Las- got a case of the Monday. Lasagna, cats, John Arbuckle. <laughs> Awful. Are you saying, what, you're a combination of John Arbuckle and Garfield? I can see that. Yeah, I'm fucking artistically devoid. <laughs> okay, then. Um, <laughs> we're got a lot of stuff to discuss in the show today. The Atari landfill getting exhumed. Uh... Real quickly, we'll talk about Bob Hoskins passing away. JLA movie announcement. Gotham series and uh, TV announcement for Fox. Uh, the Turtle Rock community manager, Josh Olin, fired for tweets about Donald Sterling. Smash Brothers, Wii U tournament, and Nintendo's plans for E3. Call of Duty Advanced Warfare teaser uh, came out. A possible Halo TV series. And anal- the analog NTNES aluminum brick was also just announced for pre-order. And of course, your Q&A, as always, which is predetermined, just like a wrestling match. And speaking of wrestling, Ian, uh, what did you think of uh, Extreme Rules pay-per-view? Jesus, that list of topics read like the completely unnecessary broadcast. That's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> what do you think we're doing here? <laughs> um, anyway, Extreme Rules. Yeah, to run through that real quick. Um, it was underwhelming and pretty much awful. Uh, uh, that's wait, wait, that's two sides. Underwhelming is <laughs> like a five out of ten, and awful is a one out of ten. Okay, it started off fairly decent. We'll just go through this quick. Um, the Cesaro Swagger and uh, RVD match was pretty decent, mostly because the outcome was favorable uh-huh. uh, with, with Cesaro. Um, but the the main event stuff was was just garbage. The one that the one that I, I I'm skipping a lot because the only one that I really wanted to put any time into discussing. Um, was what I'd hoped would be a better match was Bray Wyatt, John Cena in a cage. And it fell flat? It was beyond flat. It was awful. And I have a feeling there are going to be people who will disagree with me, but it was miserable. Um, A lot of that can be blamed on Cena, I think, uh, because Wyatt has impressed me in the past. The problem with the match was they put it in a cage, right? Uh I don't think Wyatt has a whole lot of experience with cage matches or the additional psychology that's supposed to go into making a cage match work. Um, the other problem was it wasn't just an over-the-top escape cage match. This was one of those ones where all the stipulations are... You can escape through the door if the ref opens it. You can climb over the top. You which is go, idiotic. You can go for penetration, which makes all no. other methods of escape or victory stupid because no, the pinfall is always going to be the most... The, 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 if, if you look at it realistically, which is yeah, if, I mean, you can, if, if you can get a pin, that means you can walk out the door. Right. Or, so why have or, or you can climb out the top. It, yeah. It's just... It's, it's, it's stupid. Um, the ending was gimmicky, but it was fine for the gimmick that Bray Wyatt has. It was just, it was really boring. There was almost no wrestling. It was 
spot, and then Cena takes the cage. Okay, so that was disappointing. What about, uh, how about the Evolution Shield match? That was actually probably the best match of the show, and it wasn't because Triple H or, or Batista can wrestle. Batista straight up got... I mean, full on hatred heat. He, I mean, there was booty stuff. X Pac heat. Yeah, he got X Pac. If you remember from the late no, nineties, yeah. people just hated X Pac. Not as a does like a heel, but they just didn't want to see him. Yeah, no X-Pac one wa- heat. No one wanted to see Sean Waltman. Uh, well, no one wanted to see Batista. And I mean, every time he got in the ring, the crowd just went south. Uh, there were chants of Batista. Um, but you know, Rollins, Ambrose, and uh, the big guy, Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. Um, they did everything they could. There was a couple of really big spots. You know, off of uh, you know, out into the crowd, off the steps, onto the concrete, and stuff like that. Um, and they won. And I mean, they looked really good doing it. The evolution looked pretty shitty doing it. And even yeah. Orton, who's the youngest of the three, is starting to look like he's getting up there in years. Oh, he's 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 about probably thirty. Late thirties. Not late. Say probably like a 30, okay. 30, 34. He's been doing oh. it for a while. He's been doing it for ten years. And the thing is, is I've always liked Randy Orton. He, to He's not the most exciting, but there's just something about his his presence mixed with his decent ring ability that I I, I, I like about him. But the right team went over, the young guys went over, and then you had the main event, you had Daniel Bryan versus Kane, which I, I, I noticed, I mean, I, I haven't watched it yet, I have the WWE Network, I, I can watch it, but it just sounded like, just kind of just like, this whole thing with Kane about he's a monster, he's like Jason Voorhees, and then Daniel Bryan can't keep him down. Whatever. No That's, one buys it's, that It's shit. silly as hell. On Raw, they had him run him over with, with the car, and Brie Bella screaming like like she's like you know like again like like she's a damsel from one of these Friday Thirteen movies. It's just really silly. So I mean I have to go back and watch it uh, on the internet. It got it got mixed but positive reviews. So it's just surprising to hear that you you thought it was just mostly just garbage. I'm not so. I'm not sure how because I've been a lot more lenient in what I consider decent wrestling lately, and I just I didn't find much to to find you know there's nothing really appealing about it. The the, the most interesting aspect was there's a spot in that main event. Where you know they go in the back, and it is it is very old school wrestling uh, sort of deal. Where like you know they're wrestling through the back, and there was a spot on top of a fucking Ford Taurus or something <laughs> like that, you yeah. know. And uh, apparently Daniel Bryan must have taken some forklift driving lessons because there's a <laughs> spot where he puts him on a fork, he puts Kane on a forklift in mm. the back, drives the forklift through the parking garage, down the ramp, back into the ring, and dumps him in the ring on the forklift. And the whole time you can see in Daniel Bryan's eyes, he's concentrating, but it's not determination to win the match. It's, just, it's determination to make sure he doesn't fuck anything up with the yeah, forklift. He got a crash, yeah. crash course in forklift <laughs> driving that day. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the loader. So, so that, I mean, that's really all I, I have to say I, about it. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to bore the people who don't like wrestling. I mean, because there's not much more to say about that. I was going to say it was important just because it looks, it seems that finally that WWE has actually turned a page to elevate the younger guys. Right, at least, finally. at the very least, even if the booking was weird or the matches weren't great, um, Wyatt went over, uh, Brian went over, Shield went over, Cesaro went over, like, all the right people went over. Elevated, so. It just wasn't a very fun... It, and that's probably why it got good reviews online. Because it of just, that. It just wasn't fun because to Because it was, it, was, it was booked well. Uh, it was it was proper. It's just that the, the actual match quality was yeah. not to your standards. It, it's, That's it, fine. It's it's opposite of what it's usually been, where the match quality is decent, but the booking is is sure. not. Uh, did you did you see about the Star Wars cast being announced? That was, I thought that was pretty cool um, because you had a picture of J.J. Abrams. They they did it in like black and white. The couches looked like they were from like the seventies or early eighties. Yeah. So if you if you unless you squinted, you had no idea it was like a modern picture. And you saw Harrison Ford chat, chatting to J.J. Abrams, Abrams, the director. What uh, I liked was, um, yeah, so I like the fact that most of the, uh, a large number of the old cast is back. That's going to be good. Um, well, you have, well, you have Chewbacca. 
Peter Mayhew, they even got back. Mm-hmm. And then you have um, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, uh, Carrie Fisher. Fisher. Billy uh, D, I'm not sure Billy D is. No. <laughs> I feel bad for Billy D. I tweeted a, a Colt 45 uh, commercial saying like... Oh, really? A, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't an obvious joke. Hey! Um, so, <laughs> they're still hysterical. <laughs> no, no, it's not. So, the... Uh, I don't know, and some of the new members they've announced for the cast are pretty good, too. What I liked about that shot was, though, was that people were already overanalyzing it. Like, they, they kind of pointed to where, like, the Solo family was going to be based on how people were sitting really? and discussing they the already... picture. Like, they're trying to figure out who's going to be playing. Who's going to be who? At least, at least what camps they're going to fall in. Do you care that they basically come out and say that the extended universe is not canon anymore? Even though it wasn't, it wasn't, they kind of thought it was canon before. So, like, games like uh, the, the novels, like like the, the, the Admiral Thrawn, you know, trilogy, and, like, games like Dark Forces, they kind of did them to the fact that, okay, these are official Lucas arts products it has the blessing of lucas therefore they, they fit into the mythology now they're saying no because we're going to basically rewrite the entire trilogy over that before so some people are pissed on that i personally i don't care as much if they can make great movies i'm not going to care however if they if they drop the ball and they could have done you know that the, the trilogy that people love the book trilogy then people are going to be you know pissed and it could be a waste of opportunity but at least you don't know what's going to be coming though i'm not you know? pissed i i mean i'm kind of on the same page as you i realize this may upset some people but the thing is is to me star wars was always a movie series i know fans always wanted more than what they had so that's when you spin out into books and the books got the blessing but i'm more concerned about them returning to what's a semi decent movie i mean you have to understand the star wars canon universe it's just it's out of control it's ungainly it's unwieldy it's hard i mean that's got to be hard to work with so i'm okay with them kind of just pretending that didn't exist and starting off from the end of episode six yeah you think that someone coming in like jj abrams who wants good control over the product i mean he he's helped revive the star trek you know franchise why wouldn't he want to have control over that as well for star wars not rely on these these novels that were written when were they written the mid 90s they were written those those novels they were a long time ago. I thought it was actually late '80s, but I mean, like I said, I, but they were a while ago. The whole point is that I, I don't he, know sure. he wants to come in and put his own spin on it, not just go back and just make it. You know, he he doesn't want to, you know, approach like the Harry Potter books. He wants to make his own original films. I think that's, that's I think that's fine. Uh, they, they actually released a working title, which uh, it's probably not going to be the final title, but actually, it, it's not that bad. The Ancient Fear. That's actually not a bad title compared to a lot of the other ones Aww. they've had. I was hoping for a newer hope. <laughs> a newer hope. The most recent hope. The most recent hope. <laughs> yeah. The Disney hope. <laughs> that was going to be... So that's actually not a, not a bad... You know, it's sort of like something... Maybe it'll be something from the Old Republic that comes back or who knows. But I'm, I'm very excited about these films just because Lucas is not involved. <laughs> that's, so it's like... The best movie, Empire Strikes Back, Lucas had minimal involvement with that. Sure. Very minimal. He didn't write the screenplay. He wrote a basic, very basic framework for the story, but that was it. No directing. That's it. That he was outside looking in. I'm a big Jedi fan. Well, he had more, but, more but, say but in I'm that, saying, obviously. But Empire the, was great. I mean, Empire was great. It's just a great movie. Yeah. It stands alone. Sure. Return of Jedi, not so much. But it, it's still a good movie, Return of Jedi. Jedi works as a capper. It works as a capper, but it's also lazy. Having a second Death Star as, again, the central sort of plot. It's, come on, really? That's what you're going? They didn't know that was being built? I kind of, you know what I mean? How could you hide a, death, a second Death Star I, being built? I always kind of black that out of my mind. <laughs> really? Every time I see Jedi again, I'm like, oh, right. They're 
building another freaking Death Star. It's almost like Lucas sitting down. It's like you know what? No, Death Star was fun. Let's do it again. I really like the stuff I under. I like the speeder bike sequences and stuff like that. And, like, instead, instead of having them have like some sort of grand invasion of Coruscant, like the Rebel fleet versus the Imperial, which would have been awesome. Let's just have another Death Star. Let's just let's just roll it around again. <laughs> so so I'm looking forward to it. I think that they're going to be great movies. December uh, 2015 will come out. We'll see what happens, and I'm really interested to see how they use the old cast as they're if they're, they're going to be like you know main characters or just secondary. But of course, you know Hamill's going to be an old Jedi like Ben Kenobi, so that's going to be cool. Right. Um, I saw the Amazing Spider-Man too over the past week, and I know Ian does not want me to talk about this because he has not seen it yet. So I'm just going to say, without spoilers, Ian, don't get mad, that he's giving me these eyes. He's giving me these eyes. Oh, eat your own crap. Okay. Um, say it. Say what you need the to say. actual Spider-Man character in costume, all the action, the quips, just about perfect. They, they took five movies to nail it. But how he moves, the web uh, swinging is incredible. It was good in the first Amazing Spider-Man. Now it's like perfect. The way they have angles that show you go with them, it's like, wow, this is out of the comic, how they show him moving along. Because it wasn't like... The problem with the Raimi trilogy was that they didn't really use humans at all. They green screen... Not green screen. They CG'd a fake Spider-Man swinging around. So you can tell. This, they did a combination. So when Spider-Man spins around off of things, you can tell, wow, he's moving like a human. Because the the human eye can tell when it's a real person or not. We just have these subconscious ways of picking this up. Can we really? Yeah. So, so it's amazing, like the movie. So the what the action was fantastic. Uh, the main characters, you, you know, uh, Andrew Garfield. I do like. He's a great Spider-Man. He's a pretty good Peter Parker, not perfect. And then Emma Stone as Gwen is great. They're the they're the highlights of the film. Their chemistry is fantastic. Um, but in terms of the rest of the plot, uh, it's very convoluted. It's enough plot for two movies. So that's the thing. They they try to stuff way way so much into it. Spider-Man movies, and I mean, I haven't seen this one yet, so I can't discuss it, but it, it just seems like, especially with Spider-Man movies, they do this all the time, where they try to just stuff well, way too they, much. They did in the third movie. Yeah. That was a problem. The first two, they didn't as much. They set up things. The third movie, all right, let's have four villains, you know. Uh, but this one, there's way too many villains. You can tell this is set up for future movies to the detriment of this film. So it's like, they set up so much things. There's so many uh, rushed sort of character development arcs that happen that you look at this and you, you're like you you, you it, it, it's weird because they, they pack so much in but it still feels long because it doesn't give anything room to breathe right you know so it's just like here's a scene that we're gonna hit you hit you hit you and keep going and uh again so i, I i'm still gonna recommend it i did enjoy seeing it but unlike captain america it's not something i would see a second time it's sure. not it's a shame because spider-man is my favorite comic character but you know it's better than the i still like him better than the raimi films i do so um, so this was a huge story um, for the interwebs and for gaming, I guess, history. Uh, the Atari landfill was exhumed, you know, a week back. But should it have been a huge story? I mean, I just, I mean, beyond the novelty of it, everyone plays it up like it was a big story. But it, this was never the myth that a lot of people think it was. What, what people, I mean, what all I ever wanted to know was... Is it all Atari? Is it all ET? Or did they just dump everything in there? Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean that's what this has shown—that it was not all ET. Now, granted, there was a ton of ET carts in there, but I mean, you know, in some of the first pictures that surface, you can see controllers, you can see centipede cartridges. So I guess I—I I mean, other than it's—it's it's interesting. I don't know what they were trying to prove by doing it. Well, it was Microsoft that put up the money. Uh, one of their subsidiary, uh, Xbox companies they, they did this to, to film it for a documentary it's going to come out i believe this summer 
on Xbox Live. It's going to be a documentary about, about the entire experience. Here, here's the thing. There were newspaper articles that came out in the 80s. There were books that came out that mentioned this happening. Right. So this was an event that was known. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Maybe it says more about pop culture or about our society that the ignorance of people not knowing or wanting to learn about these events makes it into a legend or myth when it shouldn't be. That's exactly is, it. Is that really the, the angle that this should really should be looked at? Right. You, you allow willful ignorance for so long, you can turn fact into myth. I mean, that's kind of fucked up, but you can. And, uh, like I said, it, it is interesting just because it is part of any, any person who plays video games. I mean, it, it's part of that history, but I think what's more interesting is what I, what I'm hoping the documentary is going to do. And even, there's even stories already about this, but you know, focus on the downfall of Atari, focus specifically on what led them to do this sure. and why they did it. Because digging up a bunch of carts that you threw out just to what? Probably throw them out. I mean, that's yeah. you're not really and it's you're not, not doing anything. And it's not like it was the entirety of, of Atari's library. It was from one location that was yeah. relatively nearby. Right. Uh, th- this is another thing. Like they actually, uh, there was an article yesterday which I, I just saw before we started the podcast. They have, the podcast, but actually, the guy that was responsible for organizing trucking the 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 uh, the games out there, he was there. So it's like anyone could have spoke to this guy in the past <laughs> thirty years and asked him about. Hey, you're the guy that was tasked by Atari to get rid of these carts. So it's like it's not like this was a yeah. huge conspiracy. Uh, Clarence, Clarence, were you the one who pulled the lever on the dump truck? Yeah, can you answer a few yeah. questions? Yeah, sure, no problem. So I, I mean, it, it's just funny in that respect. Uh, Chris Kohler was there, uh, uh, who did a, he did a great sort of write up write up of, of the event, um, just about uh, just about it in general and how the people were there. I mean, it's a cool event. I mean, if sure. I if I if I lived close, I would have went. I would have went just to witness it. Yeah, you you had um you had Howard Scott Warshaw, which was actually on the video game years and interviewed, and he this is why it's so weird because he didn't think they were did this. He on camera s- said, "Remember, uh, you remember seeing that clip?" Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, I don't see them doing that. It's a big waste of money." But they did it. Did. Maybe not to the extent that they thought. They didn't dump millions and millions. But I remember I, I asked uh, Chris on Facebook. I said, "Are we talking tens of thousands or just thousands?" He said, "There's tens of thousands probably." So I think they said there was about between ten and twenty, you know, dump trucks full. So that that's that's at least probably a hundred thousand, you know, games. I don't want to sound like I'm I'm trying to be down on everyone's parade. It was neat to <laughs> see cool. it. I just don't understand necessarily why it had to be done. Yeah. Um. So they found like shipping boxes of like ET. So they yeah they dumped they probably dumped whatever was in that warehouse, uh, out in uh, Alamogordo. Um. And I, I think I I read that they originally were turned down of dumping it somewhere else. Because they or they dumped some in another area, but there there are people that were scavenging them in '83. I'm not sure why you'd scavenge them in '83. We're gonna sell them at a flea market in '83. You're gonna fifty you're, cents. Yeah, piece. I was gonna say you're gonna sell back in '83, '84, even up to like '87, '88. You can go into a Toys R Us and see a bin of Atari games for like a dollar each. Right. There are like big bins of them. You know how you go into like Target now or Walmart and see like the the DVD huge. That's how they were with Atari games, and they were marked down literally ninety percent off. You know, so it's like I'm not sure what scavengers. Hey, it's a free game, I guess. But it's just funny to think about people going, "Oh my god, I want to play Centipede." The, the market has crashed. I won't be able to do anything with these. You know what I mean? The majority <laughs> of my 5200 library came from a dollar store in like '92 or '93, where yeah. I got where I got two for a buck. I remember. I mean, insane. Like, I mean, those they just had or, no value. Or remember Odd Lot? You know, stores like that. Yeah. 
or Odd Job, whatever they were called. I think it was Odd Lot in the East Coast. They would just get old stock of that crap no one wants. So they had they had Star Wars figures lining the shelves in the early '90s still. You know, like so they probably had tons of, of these Atari games for like they were worthless. Right. You know, and it continued to be. It's funny if you, if you find uh, even box Atari games now, they're they're not worth that much to most people because there's so many of them. Um, so it's a very interesting story. Um, it'd be interesting interesting to see the documentary. Like I said, Howard Scott Warshaw was there, and they gave it to him, which I guess is cool because people blame him for ET, and ET is not the worst game ever. No, it's not. He it's says that lot, it's got a lot of really cool ideas. Actually, the fact of the matter is, he only had five weeks to make it. If he had a decent amount of time, usually these games took months to make, six months to produce. He rushed it out, and it, it's it was it's a complete game, and it was probably too ambitious for the time that he had to put into it. Unfortunately, um, but. It's a cool story. I, I just don't think that... I wasn't like... It was cool, but I'm not like overwhelmed by it. No. The one thing that is interesting, though, is that uh, James Rolfe is uh, is doing the Angry Video Game Nerd movie, uh, which uh, it's going to come out. I'm not... My lips are sealed as to when. I know when it's coming out, but I, I'm not supposed to say. Um, so this is a central basis of the plot, is that they're wondering, uh, you know, like... There's, there's, it's in the trailer. It's like we're gonna, go, we're gonna go dig up these games. They're, bit, they're buried, in, buried in the desert. So I don't think, I don't think this uh, throws a, a, a damp cloth on the, the whole premise of the movie. I think it actually makes it sort of more. I don't. What's the word I'm looking for? It sort of enhances it. Timely, relevant. Yes, it's, it's actually timely because the documentary is going to come out, and then people are going to be like, "Wow, James is going to do a spin on this," and. It, trust me, it's going to be interesting. It's not because it's not, it's not like that's the entire movie. That's all I'm going to say. So that's all I'm going to say about that. It's a cool story um, that what happened there. I'm glad that it got so much press. I'll be interesting. It'd be interesting to see a, a real documentary made about it. Um, I'm not sure how many they actually dug up. What's interesting again? Again, they were so sure where they were. They, they didn't have permission to go willy nilly and dig up the entire area. Yeah. They only had a specific. The, the guy who was in charge of it said, "We're digging like one basic hole. If it's not there, that's it." They were there, so they knew the in a huge landfill. They knew the precise spot of where to look to find these. So if that doesn't tell you that it wasn't a myth or a legend, it, it was the information was out there. They knew the information, or else they wouldn't have spent probably you know hundreds or hundred thousand dollars, or hundred thousand dollars to do the to exhumation. Yeah. So there you have it. It's interesting as an archaeological story too, because they actually they they dated stuff by the garbage, so like newspapers. They knew they were getting closer, oh, you know, cool. before they hit pay dirt. The one thing that was interesting that the rumor was always that they poured cement over it, uh, which doesn't seem to be true. From what I can see, no one's reported that there was cement covered. Again, why would you pour cement over these games? As long as you bury them, put dirt on them, are people going to dig up, you know, whatever they? Ten feet of, of dirt to get at these games that well, are goes, mostly it, crushed. It goes back you know? to if people are digging up that stuff. You're, it, if if Atari has deemed it trash, then who cares? Exactly. Cement is just another added cost to getting rid of their garbage. I want to talk about the analog NT. You want to get to that right now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Analog NT. Because I don't know. <laughs> I, I have a lot of thoughts on that one. So the analog NT and. Um, First of all, let's start with the company analog because I've I've been following them for a little while. They actually sent me a press release a couple days ago when it was announced. Um, analog is a company. It's funny that their name is Analog because it's not really Analog anything. Um, who makes basically they, they're they're well known for uh, consolized MVS systems that usually run over a grand. Uh, they're very pretty. They're usually encased in maple or ash. They're all hardwood. Let's explain real quick what a consolized MVS is. So I people don't know. Yeah. 
So, and what that is is it's when they take the internals of an MVS arcade unit, Neo Geo, a Neo Geo MVS unit. Okay, great. And well, not they, everyone knows that they turn it. For listening to this podcast, they probably do. Um, so they take the internals of a Neo Geo MVS unit, which is the stand-up arcade unit, and they turn it into a new console. Now, why would they want to do that when there's an AES on the market, which is the Neo Geo home system? Well, the reason is. All of the games for the MVS are drastically cheaper than the AES. So you can play the exact same game uh, for cheaper sure. if you just take this board and get it into a small enough workable size that you can put it in your entertainment center. So they make boutique products, and they make very pretty boutique products. It works for something like the Neo Geo collector scene, because it's a scene that has a lot of money to throw around anyway. Yeah, we're talking the high-end Cadillac collectors. you got, you got to have bank in order to collect Neo Geo games. Yeah, you think because you have a Radiant Silver Gun or a Rondo of Blood, you, you're, you're, you know, or even a little Samson that you're some high-end collector. No, no these not. are These are Rolls-Royce guys, and... Uh, Shows in their attitudes for a lot of it, too. But, <laughs> um, anyways, these are nice-looking things. So what they've announced that they're coming out with is Analog is now making the NT, which is, it's not a consolized MVS. It is an NES and a Famicom in one unit. Um, and it's got four controller ports on the front, naturally, so that you know any of the four score games will work. Um, which is got- interesting. I'll get into that in a bit, yep. why I decided to do that. Um, it also has a bunch of options for video out. And it's made out of one machine, one solid machine milled piece of aluminum. It's very striking looking. It's nice. Uh, it's five hundred bucks. And when you look at how this is being made, because it's not a reproduction or a clone system, they are making essentially their own boards, utilizing parts from old Famicoms. Yeah, uh, old Famicom well- machines. Yeah, I would say that this—they're not coming out and saying it, but being that they're using the original original Nintendo uh, PPU and CPU, they're cannibalizing either Famicom and or NESs. I'm saying they're probably mostly cannibalizing Famicoms. A combination, right? So, you know, the cost when you look into what they're doing to make the board, the fact that if you look into the grade of aluminum they're using, that a block of that stuff's really expensive to begin with. The, sure. the case is expensive to begin with, plus the machining, plus everything they're doing. The price point might not be too far off, but I that doesn't that doesn't justify it to me because you're dealing with an entirely well, different set of collectors. You're dealing with a different monitor well, let's, base. Let's back up. This this is going to output native RGB signal. Yes. Which, um, if you don't know, it's just a clearer, more vibrant, pure color. Yeah. And it looks nicer. Sure. Especially if you have an RGB monitor, it really it really comes out. But even if you don't, it looks better. Um, there's also going to be HDMI uh, upscaling without stretching it, so keeping it the right 4.3. Uh, there will you know. be Famicom Disk System support. Yeah, you can, you can expand. You can use the it's expansion. Got the, it's got so, the, the expansion. Which, again, leads me to believe that it's probably yeah, a Famicom. Just, right. So, I mean, it's I mean, the features are nice, and the price, when you look at the, pr- the, the, the breakdown of what they're using to construct it, is fine. I just don't see this selling as well because when you look at Nintendo collectors, when you look at Famicom collectors, these are people who, they may have money to spend on it, but these are, and I don't mean this in a bad way, this is a thriftier collecting market. Um, Now, a lot of people do seem interested in it. I've seen plenty of people say that they're signing up for it, but I I just don't see a $500 Nintendo selling as well for analog as their consolized MVS is at twice as, at twice the price mm-hmm. because it's just a different market. Yeah, I mean, 
it's one thing about Neo Geo. Neo again, Neo Geo is like the Cadillac of retro game systems. Right. It's literally the arcade system you're playing. Mm-hmm. The games are beautiful looking. Yeah. The the shooters are incredible. All the moving, you know, all the all, it, it's the graphics are insane for the time. So I can see that, especially since it's it's expensive to begin with to get. An NES or Famicom is not expensive to begin with. And plus, if you're going to be upscaling uh, NES games onto an LCD TV, I guess it's like. Do you, do you really need that to play Super Mario Brothers? Like, is that really part of the experience to the extent that it is for Neo Geo to get vibrant, great colors? I mean, it, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't know what the target audience for this is. Right. It, why not? Why not just get an NES and a CRT? And that you bring up a good point because if if you're gonna go out and you want it, say you're in the market to get into Neo Geo, right? Mm-hmm. And you're looking at an AES, and those are expensive to begin with. And then you're like, hey, this MVS stuff is a lot cheaper games wise. You start factoring in cost. You start factoring in maybe the first 20 games that you would want for the AES. You look at pricing. You might be able to rationalize a really nice consolized MVS in hardwood because you're going to be saving money on the games. But this doesn't offer you that benefit with the NES. You're not really saving any money on, on games in exchange for buying this nicer system. Yeah, it, it's strange. I, the whole the whole thing is just weird to me. Um, why are there four controller ports when you can use a... I mean. I mean, it's it's cool, but why is that there? Like, most people are not going to be playing four-player games, and if you do, you buy a four-score for, like, $7 well, to play. It's a cool idea, though. Frankly, I think that's no. just a nice addition. That is one of the things that I looked at, and I went, hey, that's neat. Not because I think a lot of people would use it, but if you're going to charge 500 for it, you might it, as well have go everything all out. Yeah, go all out. So, I mean, th- that is one of the things that I really do like about it. That's very cool, I think. That so, you, you think that you, do you think, before we get into more who's going to buy this, do you think that it's a fair price point? Do you really think it's a fair price point? I would... I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I just briefly looked into it, and I'm not a master of machining. I mean, I think that they could probably get away with 350 or 400 for it. But a lot of what I did read on some forums from people who knew that stuff is that the casing alone is probably accounting for about half the cost. So you think that'll prevent people from from buying it? I mean, let's be honest. They're not going to move a thousand of these things. Well, no, but, and they don't have to, which is one of the reasons why they I might not move 300 of these things. I think a lot of the people who are overreacting to the pricing are thinking that this is something that they're going to try to mass produce on the level of a Retron 3.5 FC Twin, which they're not. If you go to get like a, one of their consolized MVSs, they're almost always out of stock because they make them in very small batches because they know they can only move them in limited numbers. So I don't think they're going to hurt. I think, I, think, I, think, I think people's interpretation of what, like what the availability of something like this is going to be is, is a little bit wrong. They're about, not trying to mass produce this. What do you think? Like about 150 of these you think they made? If, if that? I think I think they will look at the pre-orders, they will fill the pre-orders, and they'll probably machine 50 more and see what, what happens from there. I mean, we're talking very limited run. Okay, yeah. Like I said, I, I said, yeah, I don't think they'll sell 300 of these. No. There's, like, who's, like, again, who's the market for a $500 NES? Right. Who, who's, I mean, I, there are big-time collectors that, but big-time collectors that have that coin... They're going to look at this and be like, okay, that is cool. Maybe it's a prestige piece that, hey, I can afford a $500 NES. I have no interest in something like this, personally. I have no interest. No, I think that's yeah, what I it is. Don't. I think it's a status symbol. I think I think the only pe- pe- people you're It's like a gold necklace to put around your neck, basically? Yeah, the only people I think who would be really interested in this are people who have complete sets. Who I mean, because anyone who looks at, I can pay $500 for Nintendo or knock another expensive game off my list, I think is going to knock that expensive game off their list before they go and buy this. I think this, for some people, might just be that crowning oddity that they want to have. Because NES collectors, 
see, I, I know the hardcore Neo Geo collectors get, you know, you got to play it on any console as MPS doesn't count, but this is still a third, this is still a third party product. This is the other thing about it. I don't care how, how official the chipsets are or yeah. how many, much original product it's cannibalized. It's still cannibalized and still made by a third party. So, I guess it does go back to who is this for? If you're in the market for a consoleized MVS, you already know that what you're getting is a cannibalized yeah. bastardization of something, and it just it's a nice way of making it look. But in NES, why not just go buy the original hardware? Yeah, I mean, for what this is doing, like there's like high fidelity sound. Obviously, there's the upscaling. You can get your NES modded to do a lot of this. Yeah. And it's not going to cost you close to five hundred dollars. Go buy a Frame Meister, another sort of upscaler for three hundred, and make all your systems look really nice. You sure. know, I mean, there's, there's, like I said, it's, it's neat. And if I was filthy rich with nothing better to spend my money on, I would maybe think about it. But even then, I just don't know that I'd buy it. I'm not, I'm not sure who they're targeting. So it has RGB output, native component, S video, and composite. And then the HDMI adapter. Oh, it's sold, they don't include it. It's sold separately. The HDMI adapter. You'll be able to connect to your HDTV with HDMI, upscaling directly from RGB to 1080p or 720p. Again, I'm not sure what that's going to do to an NES game, and are you going to care? You know, uh, it can even generate scan lines. Okay, so you're going to upscale. You're going to upscale something that is 224 times what? 220 or 240 times. 220 resolution NES games to something. It, it, I mean, the more we, we talk about, it, I mean, I, I remember reading about the scalings. This sounds like this is the Nintendo for someone who is too embarrassed to keep a CRT TV around their apartment their house because they have too much money and, 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 and the neighbors will look down on them. Their neighbors, their, their Beverly Hills neighbors are going to be like, oh, what is that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Panasonic. Is, <laughs> what is a square thing, lovey? So. I mean, I don't know. I think it's I think it's neat. I don't even really have any issue with analog because this is just their niche is making weird, pretty versions of sure. consoles. But it made more sense to me, even at twice the price point, it makes more sense to me with the MVS than it does with the NES. Sure, because that's the market. Again, this right. is like, there's no like 12-year-old kids going to care about this. I don't care about this. It's going to be very few people are going to buy into this. But maybe that's what they're, maybe they, maybe they figure, hey, if, if we can sell 50 of these, we've made some some coin and we're good. Yeah, for all I know, they're, they're for all I know, they're artists who have. I mean, they just want to do it to do it, and they want to see if they, you know, they want to throw it out there and see if anyone else wants one. I mean, maybe it was just a passion project for them. Who, who the hell knows? I have a feeling oh. that stuff like this has to be. I mean, the first place to begin with. For an extra fifty dollars, you can get anodized color options. You can get black, pink, blue, or red. Oh, I want to so, take one. So then, I don't think this is just a passion project. Then, if they're going to be able to have different colors in it <laughs> well i mean if you charge them 500 and it, it's 50 dollars for the or 49 for the hdmi adapter upscaler well, which is the exclusive pre-order price so that means it could be more than that yeah i mean we're getting into way too much just to play on the s okay. games now we're getting into weird territory because now i'm on the actual website this is this is okay now i'm starting to get annoyed they are going to charge from the website you can get a brand new oem nes controller i'm not sure how it's brand new for 49 dollars each $29 for a refurbished NES controller. Uh, $29 for a refurbished Famicom controller. What? 
Well, I mean, that, 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 once again, this is them trying to appeal to the MVS or the Neo what? Geo market and doing it poorly. Then. Well, they think they're going to get some a lot of trust fund kids or yes. th- that are going to come yes. on the side and be like, oh, I don't want to spend $5 for an NES controller. I don't want to go into one of those Luna video game or retro game <laughs> stores. I'm going to go buy it online. I'm going to buy a $49 OEM. What are they getting brand new NES controllers? Well, they bulk? probably sourced... Look, we already said that this is not going to move huge amounts. They probably sourced a small number of them that are brand new off of eBay. I mean, we're, t- we're talking they probably have 25 sitting around, maybe. Sure. And it's first come, first serve. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's what it is. It's, 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 it's rich kids who are going to order it, and then they're going to go, you know, I don't want to go looking for the stuff. So they're just, if you're paying $500 you for a Nintendo anyway, yeah. you don't care it's, about 50 for another this, this is like the champagne room, basically. Yeah. You, you know that right. it's, it's stupid to spend $800 for a few bottles of alcohol, but you're going to do it just because you can. Because you can. It'll, it'll help you get the babes, too. <laughs> Well, I don't know if that's... <laughs> oh, your anodized care. aluminum system. Oh, and $29 for a component cable. There you go. Gross. So you have it. All right. I, I can say this because they're not going to send me a test system anyway. So, so the Analog NT, pre-order it now. If you want to have a system as a status, you know, symbol. Just put it on a chain and literally wear it around your neck. That'd be heavy, though. Man, that would probably be the coolest use of it. <laughs> um... Real quick, we're bouncing around here. Lots of topics. Bob Hoskins passed away. Um, obviously, he, he was a well-known actor. Um, probably mostly well-known for the Who Framed Roger Rabbit for the younger generation. But he was in a ton of stuff. He was a well-respected British actor. Um, really bothered me when he passed away that... Uh, lots of news outlets seemed like that was a good time to make jokes about the Super Mario Brothers movie. I did tweet about it just because I'm known for video game stuff, but yeah. I, that's the that's just one. dumb to me. He's <laughs> even come out to say that that was probably his least favorite movie he did. And uh, for everyone to take a guy's death and then jump on his worst movie that he didn't even like being in was disrespectful and insulting, and I don't even know that much about the guy, but that's one of those things I hate about internet culture, is this stuff happens so fast that people don't stop to think about what well, they're doing. Well, hold on a second. Let's back up. I'm, I'm a non play devil's advocate. I don't think it, it's internet culture in general. You're looking at the internet generation that they're not they're not well-versed in his entire film. You know, This is a guy that was acting for like 40 years. Neither am I, but then let it be. What do you mean, let it be? That's what they know about it. That's what the internet is. It's like, you're shaking your head, but it's like, if, if, if these people don't know that he was in, you know, Brazil. I love Brazil. Yeah, so do I. Most people don't have even seen that Right, movie. but most people yeah. who know about Mario Brothers also at least know about Roger Rabbit, which is something that he did that was far better and something that he did not hate. Yet everyone still took that opportunity to jump on Mario. Okay. I saw I saw almost equal talking about Super Mario Brothers and Who Framed Roger Everything Rabbit. I saw was, was, was Mario. I'm like, Jesus. It was in Hook, which I had, I hadn't seen Hook. I did, and I actually I kind of forgot his role in that. But when they mentioned that he was in it, it brought it back, and he was good in that one as well. He was pretty good in Enemy at the Gates. I like that movie, very underrated movie, Enemy at the Gates. Which yeah. one was that? That was the one. It was about the snipers, uh, the German versus Russian snipers yes. in World War World War Two. Yep, that was it, good. it was. It was a pretty good movie. Not not great, but pretty good. Um, he's done a lot of stuff. Jesus. Oh, I, I also I think a lot of it also is because he was in a lot of obviously he was in a lot of British stuff. Um, so he wasn't seen in a lot of these movies. Well, yeah, he was know. far bigger as a British actor yeah. than he was ever in the States. So, Godspeed, Mr. Hoskins. Very good actor. He was always good at playing like a, like a, 
you know, pent up frustration mm-hmm. and just ready to snap you. I think he played a lot of like, 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 uh, like, like kind of gangster, like thugs. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like low level thug. And I don't even mean yeah. that as a, he, he was good as a hard boiled detective. He was good as like a low level thug type guy. And that's, that's not an insult. That's, he was just really good at like channeling that sort of energy pretty much at the drop of a hat. Cool. Yeah, not a good year so far for losing people. All right, this is this is a little bit of a lighter note here. Actually, we can talk about the, the, all these TV announcements coming. Uh, yeah, they, they announced that there's going to be. This was kind of not surprising, just because you know DC slash Warner Brothers have, has done Smallville, and they have this uh, Green Arrow series that's been out. I think this is the second season for Green Arrow. They're announcing a uh, Gotham series. TV series that's, that's already going to get 13 episodes going to come out in the fall. And it's, it's going to be set when Batman or Bruce Wayne was only 12 years old and it's going to focus on uh, James Gordon. Just copping around Gotham and I guess going after the villains before they were known as the Riddler and Catwoman. You know, I don't think I, it's going after any of those people I mean, because they're all about the same age as Batman at that point. Well, not all of them. Like the Penguins uh, you know, older than and Batman. True. But I mean, I'm not sure what to think about this. I think it's cool to get a series like this just because whenever I talk to Frank, Frank loves Batman. And we always discuss about... One of the reasons I don't like these Nolan Batman movies is that it's a very small piece of what Batman is. Batman, to me, first and foremost, is a detective. And he, to me, is just as interesting fighting supervillains as he is fighting, like, the, the, you know, organized crime organizations, which is what the Batman cartoon series why it was so excellent. They would cycle through organized crime to, you know, the the big, like, Joker, uh, Penguin villains. And then you'd have some of, like, the fantastical, you know, like, like almost like uh, fantasy sci-fi weird shit going on. Like, the, how it existed, like, in the early, very early Batman books. And so, uh, a Batman TV series, to me, would be a great idea. Just because you wouldn't have to, you wouldn't need a huge budget to do it. If, if you just focused on... A lot of stuff. You could have some episodes that were almost like X-Files that were mysteries. Like Batman's trying to figure out, you know, what weird creature's killing all these people. Then the next few weeks, he's fighting, uh, you know, the mafia in Gotham. Then every once in a while, for sweeps, you bring in, you know, the Joker will appear once a season or twice. And then Catwoman will appear once or twice. So you can have all these different avenues to show really what a good Batman series would be. And so I'm disappointed that this won't be a Batman series. I know that's almost naive to think that they, they would do that. But if it was a Batman series, I'd be all in. This I'm I'm kind of interested to see where it goes, but it's not I'm not going to be sold on a series about about Gordon when he's a young cop. I'm just not. See, here's the thing: I'm never going to watch it anyways because I don't watch TV. But I actually really like the idea of the series. I like uh, just like I've never seen um, Agents of Shield, but I like the idea of it. See, I don't like that idea. I like the I like the idea of taking a closer look at a superhero's universe, not from the perspective of a superhero. That's and that's what I think is interesting. You're looking at it from the support characters' viewpoint, and I think that's very interesting. But they're nobody characters. I don't care. I still think I, you, I still think that can be very interesting. I, I, just rehashing the superhero stuff on a TV that doesn't appeal to me at all. This appeals to me more. I like detective stuff, and yes, Batman is a detective. But I would love to see if it was done well. I would watch it on Netflix, or I you know I would find a way to watch it. I think because I love I love I love Commissioner Gordon I, or Detective Gordon. I would love to see, I would I would love to see a crime drama with him 
developed fully as a character, going after some low-level criminals and building up into something that could become something but more. Doesn't that become just any other cop show though? At that point, yes, but with a cool setting that you, you that you're so, well aware of. I think it's an interesting I th- idea. I think it's a giant uh, cock tease. I, I think don't. it's a giant tease because people are going to be wondering how wow, is it a tease if you know you're not going to get it? Wow, this is great! I'm seeing uh, Gordon take out the the Riddler and Penguin. I I wish it was Batman doing this. Yeah, but I don't because those are the Batman villains. Yes, but they're, but they're telling you ahead of time that that's not what you're going to see. So if you're going into it to watch it, then you're not going to be saying that. I th- I think it's an interesting idea. It's interesting. I, I never said it's not interesting. I just not interested in really watching it. I'll check it out, but it might go the same way as Birds of Prey. That, that lasted, what, like six episodes? Did it even last a full season when that came out? Like, was that 12, 13 years ago? I don't know. When it was, following, it was following the females of Gotham City. The, the, the plot was that, like, Batman was away somewhere. So you had, like, uh, Barbara Gordon in the wheelchair, and you had a few of the other female characters I'm not totally really familiar with, and no one cared. Once once again, my point is that it's devoid of superhero. I'm not looking for alternate superheroes. In but the- it has supervillains. See, see, here's the thing. Uh, the Shield series doesn't have the supervillains that you know the big supervillains. It just has like, oh, this person we found someone who has this superpower. Let's go investigate. It's almost like X Files. That's fine. But this has the villains, the Batman villains. I don't know It'd how be much like, of a focus that's going to be. They, it, they did enough to to show you pictures of them also in the, the trailer. The, the villains aren't the villains in the, uh, uh, not all, but a, a good number of the villains in the Batman universe, like Batman, are not particularly super. There's nothing super about the Riddler. There's nothing no, no. super about but the Joker. But they're the super villains. They're the rogues gallery. It's the, it's the Batman and Spider Man have the have the best uh, gallery of villains. I'm just saying this I'm all for saying. the sake of argument. I'm cause, okay, because like I'm just saying. Tuning in because is... meanwhile, while this bullshit's going on, Marvel, of course, kicking ass again, are, are going to have four Netflix series: one with Daredevil, one with Jessica Jones. Well, I'm like, yeah. One with Iron Fist and one with Luke Cage, which is going to be fucking awesome. I thought it was supposed to be the same because Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and da- well, Luke Cage and Iron Fist make sense together. And I thought it was supposed to be Iron Fist, Daredevil, and Luke Cage. That was supposed to be all four of them. It's like four series, four separate series, and they're going to build up and culminate with a new, basically a new Defenders mini series where it'll probably bring them all together. Oh, well, that's fine. I mean, so, I- so meanwhile, because uh, Daredevil was basically Marvel's version of Batman for the most part. For the most sure. part, just in terms of their low, they're fighting mostly low-level street crimes. Uh, they have a lot of the same abilities. They're regular people that can do a lot of acrobatics and are good at hand-to-hand combat. Um, they get down in the dirty. They usually don't fight the huge super, super, super. You know, like the really overpowered guys that Superman or Thor would fight. They're not dealing with them. So, meanwhile, while you're going to have that series, I'm going to be loving watching an Iron Fist, Luke Cage. Uh, and Daredevil series, it was going to be because then you're going to have like guys like probably Punisher show up in between them and crossover potential. That's the way to do it. I think that's going to be good too, especially as a huge Iron Fist fan in the comics. I just don't know why one has to be better than the other, or that why there can't be room for both. There can be room for both, but I think again, people are going to be looking. At, I, I think people are going to look at Gotham and be like, "This is great. Why? Why is Batman in it? In it? Or why, why couldn't this have been a Batman series?" That's what they're going to say. It's it's like having you're gonna have a Spider-Man series with starring Aunt May, you know, with when Peter when Peter Parker That's was a kid. Totally different. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying though? No. Aunt May meets Doctor Octopus at, at the gym. No. You know, during yoga class. No, I don't see what you're saying <laughs> you see at all. Continue. We've talked way too long about this. I don't think it's been enough talk about this. But anyway, I look forward to the Netflix series. I think I'm gonna start. I think uh, 2015. All right, Marvel can do no wrong in my eyes. 
<laughs> oh, Marvel can do plenty wrong. Have you seen what they're charging for trade paperbacks these days? Well, I don't care what that. I mean, I mean on on film, on screen. Loser. <laughs> um, Did you finish reading Infinity Gauntlet yet? No, I still have it there. You, you finished reading Watchmen? No, I lent it to someone. Then I shut just, up! I just don't care. <laughs> you borrowed that from me with the intent of reading it. I bought Watchmen as a mistake. I've been busy! A mistake. Walls of text. It's, the only, it's the only graphic novel on the top 100 you know, novels of all time list. Okay, it's shit. You're right. You're right. Ian's right. Everyone else is wrong. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of superheroes, while we're on it, uh, they officially announced, not that we didn't know it was going to be a setup, but a JLA movie is coming, probably 2017 or 2018. Um, so we kind of know, we, we discussed in earnest about how Batman vs. Superman is trying to shove in all these characters. Uh, Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot has been cast. They're going to have, what's the cyborg guy in there? Um, there's rumors that they're going to have maybe the Flash have a cameo. Um, and then I think maybe even Robin or something. I don't know. They're going to throw shit at Batman vs. Superman just to build to this JLA movie. They're going to rush it, and I don't think it's going to be... I don't know how JLA is going to be, but Batman vs. Superman is going to be a clusterfuck just here's, from the start. He, yeah, here, here's my take on it, and I'm, I'm going to... Really, I'm not going to get all worked up like I usually do about this, but Zack Snyder is also in charge of JLA. Woo! It's going to... Fuck off. It's going to suck. <laughs> don't even... Do, don't even do that in fake near me. I will lunge across this table, and I will eat you. Um, <laughs> awful human. So my problem is, is you think Spider-Man three had too much shit in it, or Spider-Man, or Amazing it's Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2. two had too much stuff. The amount of crap they're going to have to stuff into, you know, Batman vs Superman to even get JLA remotely set up is going to be insane. But here's the thing: even if Zack Snyder wasn't in it, even if they did Batman vs Superman well. You just haven't given this enough buildup. Unlike the, and and this is where I do agree because I am, I am in general a much larger Marvel fan. Um, Marvel took the time years. They took years. Not just years. They planned it years and a half before before they even filmed Iron Man. They had it set out. Yeah, I mean they they took a long time to really lay the groundwork to make this something that not only comic book readers would enjoy, but anyone could get into and enjoy. Mm -hmm. And this is something where I honestly feel like everyday normal people who don't read comics, well, comic book readers are normal too. Somewhat. (laughs) Everyday people who don't read comics aren't going to enjoy it. And comic book readers, I think, are going to be upset about it, too. I just look at this as a lose-lose, and they just keep throwing more Here's money at this. Here's the thing. This is where they, the Warner Brothers fucked up. Because Nolan did his three movies, which were good. Mm-hmm. But personally, I like the first one the best, but that's a whole other conversation. I'd almost agree. If they had an inkling of thought, they would have said, All right, Chris, we know you want to do your own thing, but let's try to incorporate some other elements to sort of build some sort of universe. They did it. Those three movies don't matter anymore. You are loud. They don't matter. That's a problem. It, 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 they spent, what was it, 2000? What was the first one? 2006 to 2000? And what was the last one? Last 2013? Seven years they had just about. Was it seven years? Yeah, seven years. And it doesn't matter. It was wasted. They built absolutely no cinematic universe. Think about that. In seven years, in seven years, Marvel, seven years is next year. For Marvel, uh, Marvel's universe, right. two thousand eight. By that, by that point, you would have what nine or ten Marvel movies, including two Avenger movies, yeah. in seven years versus seven years of a trilogy of three Batman movies that now don't exist anymore, as far as the new movies are concerned. 
That sure. just shows not. I don't understand who's in charge at Warner Brothers. Well, and I feel like get one, to that point. I feel like one of the the, the 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 larger problems that's kind of I don't know people don't think about it is um, the Nolan Batman movies, and I haven't seen the third one, but let's just say you love or hate the third one because I know it it, it, it divides people. Um, he set a bar for those kinds of movies, and it people going into it are going to expect something very different than what they're going to get out of it now. It's almost like because they didn't spend the time to build the universe and because they did those Batman movies so well, or at least to a fairly high degree for most people, anything well, that comes after it, it just, I mean, yeah, they don't matter as they don't matter as much. Superman, uh, the, the dark, dark uh, man of steel did not do that well at the dark box office. It didn't. Uh, I heard it did. That, I mean, I read that it did, and that's why they kept Zack Snyder on. It didn't do as so well I... as any of the Marvels, oh, though. Okay. That's what I mean. It didn't do like, holy shit, we have to do this. Uh, you know, we have to build this up. But they saw Avengers, and they're like, Warner Bros. like, wow, Avengers did a huge amount of money, the most money of any movie. That's because they built to it. Right. The And the fans now know, when they see a Marvel movie now, a Marvel-produced movie, not, not counting the X-Men or the shitty Fantastic Four that they're going to reboot, or or, uh, or the Spider Man movies because those are not made by Marvel. They know you know what to expect. You know the tone. You know the, the, pretty much the quality of the action and the effects. You know what you're gonna. You know what you bought your ticket for. People didn't know what they were gonna buy when they when they saw uh, Man of Steel. They didn't know what they were buying, and that's why it got very lukewarm, mediocre reviews. It was like, eh. So now you're gonna jump from that to Batman vs Superman and automatically expect that people are gonna rush to it and build to. An Avengers type super huge event? No, it's not going to happen. Is it going to make money? Oh yeah, it's going to make money, but you're not going to come away with the sort sort of same feeling as, wow, this is something special. It's going to make well, we just saw a Batman and Superman movie together, or well, this was a cash in, or this was a cash in exactly, and, and and plus that they Marvel was smart enough to know that uh, before Iron Man came out, it wasn't like Iron Man was a household name with people. He was always a B lister in terms of superheroes. <laughs> He was a B list. He was not A list. To, to mainstream, no. I, th- I think any of the main Avengers could be well, with the exception mainstream. of mainstream. When you think of Marvel guys, he's not. He was not. Never well, who in the do top we think five. of? Bef- okay, Captain America, Spider Man's the head honcho, uh, Hulk, Wolverine, probably some of the other X Men characters. I, I I mean I agree I agree with everything you said, but I feel like Iron Man was def- definitely up there and has been. Maybe, maybe it's I think you're biased because you know comics. I'm sure people that don't know comics well, don't know who Iron Man is. No, I realize I might be biased because Iron Man was like my dad's favorite comic book character. But even when talking to comic book Silver fans, Surfer. Okay, Iron Man is way above Silver Thor, Surfer. Thor was, I think, more... Thor was above... Iron Man was above Thor in terms of recognition. Ask Frank about that because we're in California. Thor was always big, he said, with the Surfers and obviously Silver Surfer was. I don't think Iron Man... Well, you, you know. can't take the West Coast. You, I mean, I'm just saying overall. he's not. He wasn't a huge guy. In, in the pantheon of superheroes, before okay. Iron Man came whoa, out... Whoa, 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 whoa. We were about to start one of those those stereotypically awful conversations <laughs> that I don't want to get into. About what? The pantheon of superheroes? <laughs> yes, about, about rankings and who's better. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just, you never saw a parade float of Iron Man. You saw Spider-Man, you saw Batman, you saw Superman, you saw Hulk. You didn't see Iron Man. My whole point is this, that Marvel was smart enough to get it right from the get-go to put out a quality movie. <laughs> Fair. I mean, I and they that, cast yes. it extremely well. They got Terrence Howard, they got Robert Downey Jr., who basically, now it's now off his shoulders, but the whole Marvel Universe was on his shoulders. If he did not do well, that the whole thing would have collapsed. The whole point was that the, uh, Warner Brothers never approached it the same way. Yeah. They never said, let's get an awesome actor, let's take our time, 
let's let's make a people let's make a movie that we're not going to just go all balls out in two movies and build this thing. Let's 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 let it breathe a little bit. Let's sure. treat let's like treat this let's let's treat this like a comic book series that yeah. builds, and that's what they're not doing. It, the beautiful thing about it is, unlike comics, where you have to buy extra tie-ins, it's very easy to go see a couple movies a year to get the full yeah. picture. You know. Yeah. So, so that's all I'm going to say about it. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. I, oh, I forgot about the Green Lantern movie, which is not going to figure into this either. No. That sort of forget that movie only came out like four years ago, and already people forget about is it, it. Even that long ago, three I, years, whatever yeah. it is. I saw it once and never to see again. It wasn't a bad movie. It wasn't a good movie. The whole point was that's not going to even figure into this. And I don't think Ryan Reynolds is going to come back for this JLA movie. They're probably going to recast uh, Green Lantern. So what the hell? Anyway, that's all. No, no curse. You did very well, Ian. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I'm just at the point where it's, I just can't get that worked up about it anymore. I am sure there will come a point in time, but... I'm sure when you see the trailer for Batman vs. Superman, you're going to lose your shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that'll happen. I'll probably fill my pants and protest again, but... <laughs> gotta stop doing that. That's really a horrible way to protest something. Just crapping. Um, how about the Call of Duty Advanced Warfare teaser with Kevin Spacey? Alright, you want to hear something interesting? You want to hear something that's going to blow people's minds? I actually thought it was pretty fucking interesting. Actually, thought it looked pretty good. Am I going to play the game? No, probably not because I don't like first person shooters. But I do like Kevin Spacey, and I do like the idea that this is not good guys versus bad guys. It looks like they're going to try to do, uh, they're going to try to be a bit more mobile. It's, I, th- it's, I think it is good guys versus bad guys, by the way. Well, it is, but I think I think you're going to be, a, I think you're playing in a gray area. I don't think well, you're playing Well, let's a good discuss guy. What, what this plot is. So the plot is you're working as a private military corporation. Well, that's what Kevin Spacey is in charge of. No, you're, yeah, you, he's in charge of you. If you like, if you read about it, that's you're playing as the PMC that Kevin Spacey is in charge of, um, which I think could be very interesting. Um, but I mean, I don't have much to say about it because I, I don't follow a lot of AAA games. But I did watch the trailer, and I was like, hey, I'm actually kind of interested in what they do with this. I did play Call of Duty Four, the first Modern Warfare, for the story. I thought it was great. And I, I mean, I'll admit that right here on the podcast. I thought it was a great single-player experience. And if they can recreate that with this, I would probably at least rent it or borrow it just to play through it, just to get me some sweet spacey action, and uh, you know, maybe see if they can advance the, the first-person shooter genre just a little. I just think it's interesting that all of a sudden, uh, I remember reading about these sort of suits that they're developing, which are probably, they are probably testing these actual exo sort of skeleton suits to make you be able to jump 20 feet in the air. These do exist to some extent. But all of a sudden, there's like three movies with these. They had the Matt Damon movie last year. You remember the sci-fi one? Yeah. That came out. There's another one coming out with these sort of suits that it escapes you right now, but I just saw another one with the same sort of thing. And now you have a video game using these suits to jump around. Um, I do think it's interesting that they're actually... You know, I always criticize a Call of Duty franchise because it's the same game over and over and over again. You run the same, you walk the same, you shoot the same. This finally is something different. Your movement is enhanced. You can jump around. It's like Unreal Tournament, which I love, is that it's unreal. You're doing things that normal humans can't do. You can do, you know, these, you know, dodging and jumping off of walls and things like that that are make, make it's really cool. It's like you're a superhero kind of. Yeah. With a gun. I mean, before we're gutted and drug out into the streets by our listeners to die because we're saying nice things about a Call of Duty, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. They're I, trying. I, I feel like that <laughs> it's probably still going to end up being an awful game. But, uh, I mean, for the first time in eight years, I actually saw a trailer for a AAA first-person military-based shooter and was like, hmm, I'd watch another trailer on that. So we'll see. Have you seen Game of Thrones? 
No, my mom's read all the books. She Not Game of Thrones. That. I'm sorry, House of Cards. Oh, no, I want to watch it, though, at some point. Okay, so that's, because that's basically, it's not the exact Kevin Spacey no, story, it, but, it, but he plays a congressman who, you know, all the backstabbing politics of Washington. It's a great series. I, I, I saw the first series on Netflix, got, I have to see the second the second season. I thought he was it. fantastic in Usual Suspects, he was fantastic in Seven. So I you mean, know how he'll portray he, He's a is really, he's one of my, I mean, for a guy who doesn't watch movies, he's one of my favorite actors. So, you, so you're saying that you're going to be working uh, for him? It, that's what I believe. I believe that you are working as the PMC. Because it looks like the, the plot looks like that it's, he's he's in, he's, a, he's in charge of a private military yeah. force attacking the U.S. or trying to attack parts of the U.S. So I, I'm not sure how that could spin that into being a good thing instead of trying to defend against it. You know, so, for a change of freaking pace for storyline intrigue, take down the U.S. I, I, you, think, I, I, you think they would sell a game like that? I, don't know. I mean, it, well, dude, it's a trailer. Who knows what sorts of twists and turns there's going to be? But I, I thought I had read that 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 the intent was that you were going to be working for him, that you were going to be playing as part of this PMC. And I could be wrong. The good news is that it sounds like um, there's going to be now, at least with this one, a three-year development cycle between games for the development house instead of only two years. It, which is great it makes, news. It doesn't really increase my interest in the series as a whole because it's just not my thing. But yeah, now that they've got three studios, three years per studio to make a game, I think that at least fans of the genre, and good for them, they're probably going to see a much better product. And it's because of this, not only the drop in sit, launch day sales, but then the fallout from the ba- the, the really mediocre reviews that Ghosts got. So and they realize they need to put more time into this. So basically each year you're going to have a different one. You're going to have the Black Ops one year. Than the, the well, modern probably warfare, than the advanced names, warfare. But, yeah. but that basically just bam, bam, bam. Treyarch, Infinity, and now yeah. Sledgehammer. Those go bam one. So you're gonna have a game every year, but the series is gonna be alternate. Yeah. Can, we stop, least... can we stop talking about Call of Duty now? I mean, it's kind of weird. It's making me feel. Come on, bro. Let's get some Mountain Dew, bro. Really making me feel kind of strange. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with that. <laughs> That's all we can stand. And we nope. can't stand anymore. Can't stand anymore. Uh, we'll stick with the gaming stuff. We're rocking through these topics. Um, what about? This is surprising. And going back to now how TV, uh, I'd say the past five, six years, especially with like HBO, Showtime leading the way, but now like FX, A&E are, are better than the networks when they, even when it comes to uh, a lot of these dramas and action shows. And now with Netflix doing their own series and Amazon getting wanting into it, um, it's opening up uh, the possibilities. And now we have a possible Halo TV series being developed that's going to come to Showtime. This this is interesting, and this is to me. If this actually comes to fruition, now it's crossed over the point that we can say that like video game, you know, entertainment has hit to the point where now it's now a viable entertainment medium for the mass audience that we're going to translate all these mythical stories over. Well, you know, I feel like we have two points that I want to make on this. One is uh, the positive point. I think that something like Halo which they talked about making a movie of and they never got off the ground. I think that some of this stuff would actually work better better in a TV series sort of universe. You have more time to build things up. You can do things episodically. Sure. You don't have to cram all of this lore and backstory into the first hour of a movie mm-hmm. just to give people a half-hour episode's worth of payoff in the, in, in, in the home stretch of a movie. So this could be really good in terms of how they can do character development and work stuff. I think that's fantastic. Budgets are comparatively smaller. Yeah. Um, I'm, I have no interest, I have no personal stake in this, so this is not a fan speaking. Yeah. I think this could be really good for fans of the video game who want to see this uh, in, a, in a video form. I think this could be really good. 
my it's not a problem that I have with it, but I think it's since day one I've talked about Microsoft's focus on using the Xbox One as some sort of integrated TV device mm-hmm. device is is some sort of folly because people don't really use it that much, and I, I couldn't see it as being something that they would use on their Xbox One a ton. And the fact that it has the potential to go to Showtime first and then to Xbox One a week later, it's good and bad. It, it opens the stuff up to more audiences, but at the same point in time, anyone who was looking at the Xbox One and being like, well, this could really replace everything in my living room, now they're wondering, why do I have to wait a week? I own your system. I own the Xbox One. Halo oh. is yours. Why am I getting shortchanged a week when everyone else isn't? Well, it depends what their main objective is. Does, does Microsoft want to make an awesome TV show that'll get mainstream appeal and make lots of money, like a Game of Thrones type of show? Or do they want to tr- use it to try and sell the Xbox One? I don't think it's going to work that way. They probably figure, we're going to spend... Even though, even though like I said before, uh, TV shows have a comparatively smaller budget, and you have a comparatively smaller budget because you have that same team built in over seasons for the effects and things like that, you don't have to go back and reinvent the wheel as you do with a big movie. It's still going to cost a lot of money to make a Halo TV series. Yeah. A lot of money. Sure. Uh, rather than that, it'd be the top two or three most expensive TV shows. You know, I personally feel like putting it on mainstream TV, well, not, not necessarily mainstream, but Showtime but yeah. is, is the smarter answer. Sure. I do. But I, 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 I can see the backlash from from fans. I mean, if there isn't any, I mean, I, I feel like there will be. I feel you like think that, so? I feel, well, I mean, okay, honestly... You think they're not going to care that all of a sudden think, there's think, a show about it? Well, I mean, they will, but just think about it from the, the mind of a fanboy who owns an Xbox One, who loves, who loves Halo, who spends a lot of time on their system... And I mean, they're not getting it first. I, I could see that as be. I, I don't personally care. Like I said, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of it, playing right? devil's advocate here, okay. but yeah, yeah. I just feel like that oh. there's going to be some sort of backlash oh. on that. I think it's interesting because this article in Forbes about there's not really any space space sci-fi shows on TV anymore. There's no Star Trek. It says there's no Firefly. There's no Battlestar Galactica. Okay. The, only, the only one you have is Doctor Who, and I would argue that. You know, a lot Doctor of that's Who's, not in space. It, it kind of is in space, but they're usually on a planet somewhere. He's Earth's protector. I mean, yeah. while there are space episodes, a lot of it is Earth-based. Remember the Space Above and Beyond, the show of Fox in the late 90s? Like, that space show? No, I don't. You know, sure. that's all, I think it lasts like two years. Yeah, really, though, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm struggling. I thought there was one more that a different article I had read had mentioned. I thought there was one more modern space-based show, but... That's on right now, on yeah, TV now? But no, I can't think... Oh, uh, someone mentioned, like, Falling Skies or something. Falling like Skies, that. but that takes place on Earth. Yeah, so... So not really. Again, yeah, I mean, st- same deal as, as Who. I mean, you have alien entities, but, but you're, you're, you're taking care of it on... Yeah, you're not having huge space terra battles. Firma, yeah. yeah. I'm so. sure it costs money to, for those alien effects, but... Costs a lot less than having big space battles and CGing other worlds. You know what I mean? Sure. So, and I've actually seen part, a few episodes of that. It's pretty good from what I from what I see. But Falling Skies, yeah. Uh, my friends love it. If I like, the alien I, designs are cool. If I watched more TV, that's that's one of the first shows that would be on my list. So I think it's interesting because if it does, if it actually comes out, obviously then uh, Netflix or HBO they'll search for other. Obviously they'll search for other video game entities to come to. The screen, which would be cool. I think gamers will win. It, there are there are a lot of cool stories. I'm not going to say there's going to be a Legend of Zelda TV series, but at no. least it'll inch towards a possibility of down the road 
that might happen. No, but yeah, I, yeah like I said, like I said at the beginning of this segment, I, I really do feel like TV, especially because we've gotten to the point where TV show budgets can now get the effects necessary to make things look decent. There's a lot of video games that would probably translate better to TV than movie. Well, let's be honest, they already market the freaking games as movies anyway. You go in a movie theater and you see trailers for for video games and you think, what the hell am I? What? Oh, oh, it's, oh, it's a video game right. because you don't know they're, they're presented on TV as movies. So you're presented on TV as movies. Oh, it got me there, Ian. I did. Wicked Bird. <laughs> Smash Brothers. I, I know uh, from the last talk about Smash Brothers competition, uh, the internet wanted to kill me. I don't care. I love you all. You can come and try to... Oh, next time I go to, like, Magfest, there's going to be a bunch of Smash Brothers Melee players going to try to beat me up. Anyway, I love you all. Um, but this is, this is cool. This is cool, regardless of whether or not you think Smash Brothers should be competitive or not. Uh, at E3, Nintendo is going to be putting on a Smash Brothers uh, Wii U tournament. That's at least goodwill towards the fans and to get people sure. to see your game and to get people excited about one of the only games that's going to try to resurrect the already dying Wii U. It, <laughs> you know? it reminds me of what Street Fighter Four did at Comic Con yes, years, years ago when 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 the fighting game scene was all but dead except for in the hardcore circles. If you want to get people really into it. You know, don't just put it on a TV screen. Offer people free entry into a tournament. You know, you know, build a nice booth. Let people go and have fun and play. You know, show people what competition is about uh, in these games. And uh, yeah, I think they're going to generate themselves a lot of goodwill and a lot of good press for this. Yeah. Um. And they're also going to have at the same time that weekend at Best Buy, they're going to have demos set up to play, which again, really cool idea. I haven't stepped into a Best Buy in forever. But people will probably it'll get some people interested at least walking around and go into the stores. I did um, a couple months ago, and it was really depressing. Why is it, is it going? Oh, is it just they all look so sad. It's going the way of Circus City. They all look so sad. And the nicest thing they have is that nice blue tile that looks like you're standing on a galaxy because it's got all the sparkly bits in it. Oh, uh, I, I honestly have probably not been in Best Buy in four years. And I uh, I perused uh, some DVDs. At I least. Om- I almost bought the Chippendale Rescue Rangers box set number two, but they did not have box set number one, and I said, no dice. No dice. You, you remember how weird... It, I mean, this is going back to all... This is off topic, but the rows and rows and tons of like CDs at Best Buy, even mm-hmm. like six, seven years ago. I had like not, three years ago. <laughs> I was going to say, I probably haven't been to Best Buy in six, seven years. I haven't been to one since New Jersey, so that's, over, that's almost five years. So I'm With wondering... It, thick sepia haze of dust laying over the top. I was going to say, are people... They had those big, like, plastic holders on them still like they did back in Sam Goody days. Remember the big plastic holders so you couldn't steal the yeah, CDs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it'll get people into Best Buy. It's goodwill for Nintendo. Now, 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 Nintendo's not doing a traditional presentation at E3, so some people are getting on Nintendo for that. I couldn't care less. Nintendo didn't do it last year. Who cares at this point? I was at two of them. I was at the one when they first announced the Wii U back in, like... Oh, it was that 2011, my first E3, when people weren't even sure if it was an add-on yet because they weren't clear about it during the presentation, which was foreshadowing now with their shitty marketing, not letting people know. And then 2012, when they actually announced it to come out uh, that that uh, that Christmas. Um, so the presentations are nice, but really, in this day and age, you can just you can just put it online. You know, stream it. That's what they do. Nintendo does these, you know, almost what they, weekly. They stream all the, the stuff. Nintendo Direct. And that's yeah, the, I well, mean, just do that. What's the, what's the difference? Who cares? And we, plus, they, they save money. They buy a lot of money to okay. rent out those halls. We really don't need another discussion about Nintendo's business practices. No, we don't. We, don't. <laughs> we absolutely don't. But their decision to not do an E3 press conference and in favor do focus Nintendo Directs, I think, has been a good decision for them. And it's one that they will continue to do. Full stop. Full stop? Whoa. By the way, um, 
Mega 64 put out a really cool uh, video announcing this where they get a Reggie Fizeme like uh, robot and, and and Rocco takes control of it. He's walking around Nintendo America. It's actually really well done and funny uh, to, to announce it. Nice. I, I walked past Reggie one time. Um, this the last was it the last E3 which would have been I'm not going to E3 this year. Three is enough for me. I don't get a, a huge amount out of it. They are fun though. Um, I think it was last year, and he was walking out of the bathroom, and I was like, sort of like walking in. I was like, oh shit! I was gonna get an NES cart and just give it to him just to be fun or whatever. And you know, he kind of like he, he like disappeared. He like sort of like ninja moded away somehow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But he seems like a cool guy. He's a good sport, at least for this stuff. What I've always liked about him is that he's uh, he actually plays games heavily. I think I actually mentioned the story once on the podcast. It's well known, but someone asked him at a conference or convention if he actually played games. And he was like, oh, yeah, I do. And they, like, further, they were like, well, what do you play? And he pulled this DS out, and he opened up Dragon Quest uh, Nine, and he had 150 hours on it. I was and say, it's like, yeah, the dude plays his games. I think that would be smart to do that. You're, you know, you're in charge of a huge company. You have to know what's going on. Yeah, you exactly. Know I mean? you know, he's not a figurehead. I mean, I mean, he came from what? Was it Domino's? He came from a Pizza Hut, one or the other. And so, and- Full stop. Hey, full stop. No, not a full... No, it's a, I like Reggie. Reggie's very nice. I'm just saying, no more... Whatever, fine, fine, okay. There was someone mentioned me on Twitter real quick. Um, I don't. I didn't time to look it up that... About Nintendo was losing money in their, in their last report, but it was because they spent $100 million on something that's like still secret, and if not, they would have been actually in the black. Uh, oh, yeah, no, everyone, everyone's been talking, and I mean, this is not really a topic, but everyone's wondering, what is Nintendo's quarter for $100 million purchase? No one knows what it is, but it's supposedly it's not supposed to be announced until quarter But four. they would have turned a profit if it wasn't for that, supposedly. Yeah, so maybe... So that's interesting. I guess all the 3DS sales counterbalanced all they, the Wii U non-sales. They bought Facebook. They for, bought Facebook. For $100 million, giving them Oculus. Uh, they, they, okay, oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> this is just how it's going. Okay, we have one more topic for a Q&A. We are... Getting through these relatively quickly. This is a nice streamlined CU podcast. And this is going to be somewhat a controversial topic. But I don't care because it's somewhat uh, important. It has to do with gaming. Uh, Turtle Rock uh, Community Manager. Wasn't I supposed to start this one off? Yeah, I'll, I'll just give you a real quick background. Josh Olin, who's been a community manager at multiple, multiple places. He was the Call of Duty Black Ops community manager. And for League of Legends, um, he was let go after a few Twitter remarks about Donald uh, Sterling. Alright, so here's what I'm going to say. Donald Sterling, uh, piece of shit, and if I could get away with kicking that old saggy bastard <laughs> right in his nuts so that they came up through his nose, I would do it. Um, but here's the tweet, Josh Olin. Here's an unpopular opinion. Donald Sterling has the right as an American to be an old bigot in the security of his own home. Pause. Agreed. You do have that right. You have all that, you have every right here's where i think a lot of people took uh issue umbridge. with it they took umbrage and this is where i kind of take issue with it he's a victim um i find it really hard to believe that a guy an old white guy with that much money is a victim of really anything i'm sorry i, I, I and i think that's while i don't necessarily agree that josh olin lost his job because of that because it's a fairly it's a fairly benign tweet expressing well, just his opinion i mean it's the he's a victim part that i think people really took issue with do you, do you think that's what it was yes or, or I, the fact that even here's the thing i think i believe it was done on his personal twitter account but he's still a community manager and by that 
by oh. that sort of stance, you're almost never off the clock. Some people are arguing that's probably why they just said we don't want to deal. Yeah, with this. it is. It is. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that he's a victim. Part is why they, why he lost. You're his saying position. that's what put it over the top. I'm saying that's what put it over the top in public opinion, because that's what put it over the top for me. Because he, the, the 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 first three lines of this: here's the unpopular blah, 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 bigot and security of his own home. Fine, I can still hate him, but he does have that. He does have that right. I think public opinion turned against him with the he's a victim because calling him a victim is pretty well, fucking classic. He should have been he, well. He should have been clear on what the victim part was, right? Because he was a victim in the respect that he had private conversations recorded and released, right? But when you just when you just do he's a victim, period, that leaves it leaves a yes, it leaves a broad range of interpretation saying, wow, he's a he shouldn't have been you know persecuted at all for what he said. Now, yeah. I've always been you know, I mean, I always have to explain this to people. Freedom of speech does not mean freedom of repercussions. If you are doing this on a tweet, uh, a Twitter account that is linked to your job, yeah, if 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 your job does not like how you're representing them, you're gonna go. And I don't know that I disagree. I mean, it's it's your it, it's a job, and you are working for a company that wants to project a certain image. Um, I I still just like I said, all I can really say about this because I read all about the Sterling stuff, and then I felt bad about reading about it, but it was just like it, it's yeah he does have that right i just calling him a it's, victim is kind it of was, tasteless it was the wrong i don't want to say wrong form because it, here's the thing uh freedom of speech like you said it doesn't cover the repercussions that said i am just cautious uh, of when things like this happen when you are now Firing people, and I'm not. I'm trying to be I'm playing devil's, devil's advocate, but also illuminating why there's also a lot of people pissed about Josh being fired. Because it's not like he said offensive things himself. He was commenting on someone who said offensive things, and that got him fired. So it's like, so now you're a, a full step and a half away from what was actually offensive to now you are you are commenting on it in defense or not. So now, what if someone now comes out and says, well, I don't think Josh Olin should have been fired for his commenting on something else that was offensive. Like, where where does the line stop with that? Right. Where, where does it stop where, where you said, okay, let's let's can common sense come into this a little bit? Yeah, uh, Donald Sterling's an asshole, obviously. Yeah. He, he was known to be a racist for years. Yeah. It's more well, come out. It, but, that's, but that's beside the point. Yeah. So, so obviously... Most states are what was called at will employment, which means that you can be hired and fired at any time for really any reason when it comes down to it. So should he have commented on this? I don't know. I don't know the relationship with him and, and Turtle Rock. I have no idea if, the, if he had something in his contract saying he wasn't allowed to tweet about stuff that was controversial. Obviously, he made a decision. Uh, Turtle Rock didn't like it. A lot of people were offended by it. He was let go. But I mean, at at some point, this is more or less the what has happened with social media and Twitter that you have to watch the shit you say. Exactly, and that's that's the whole thing. Because I, I not to not to repeat myself too many times. If he had let go of those three, well, one contraction in two words at the end, mm-hmm. had he taken the minute to think, read over what he tweeted, and just tweeted that out, I don't know that there would have been is big of an outcry. It's how he worded it. It's how he did it in the heat of the moment. And the thing is, is you can't take back things that you do in the heat of the moment on Twitter. I, I don't doubt that Josh Olin 
probably is a perfectly fine guy who, I mean, he said he does not agree with the things that Donald Sterling said, but the way he phrased it and the way he put it out there, and he, you can't pull something like that back on Twitter when you have the followers that he does. Yeah, that's 100, what got, 142,000, by the that's way. That's what gets you in trouble, and people don't think when they post stuff. Yeah, he also tweeted about when you were raised in an era where segregation was perceived as right, that will stick with some people. Does it make him a monster? Now, mm, now see that I have I, to me that <sighs> th- this is getting to a whole other, other issue. Yeah, right? and I don't know. The whole point really, was yeah. the whole point was he he's 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 the, explaining his point of view though. I, 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 yeah, I, I know, but I I didn't forgive my grandparents' occasional racism just because they grew up in that era. I think that's a bullshit excuse. Here's the thing, though. I actually I I did. My grandfather once in a while. Talking old Italian, born in 1917. He said some stuff that was insensitive, but he 1917. That's almost a you know, hundred years I mean, ago. My, my grandfather was born at the same time. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't look at my grandfather as racist. I honestly didn't. He said some really things that you know, that were almost funny. It's like, wow, you you can't get away with saying that. But again, he's saying these things when he's 85. I you know, it's way, like it's not like I ever argued with him. I just got up and walked out of the room. But I still think that's that's an excuse. I mean, because my grandmother, on the other hand got over that. She evolved beyond that. My grandfather didn't necessarily. So the whole, this is the era bullshit, I don't buy it. Especially when you're dating a half-black, half-Mexican woman. That's true. My, my whole point is this, is that is that it's just scary. Social media is scary. Facebook scary when stuff like this happens. Holy uh, crap, this is the most political discussion we've ever had on CU Podcast. <laughs> I know, just, just, just because, I don't, we should talk about this stuff more. But I'm in a position now, I have 11,000 followers. So I, I've said stuff that's offended people before. I remember, I think I said something about, uh, uh, like, the real Wendy in the Wendy commercials. I think I tweeted something about, like, um, how it didn't make me want to eat seeing her in the commercial or something. And people got offended by that. Some people got offended. I was just like, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm either going to say something or tell jokes at some point or attempt to. And this happened in my videos, uh, saying stuff that's either off color or maybe some people don't like. You're going to offend people at some point. We're at a point now where people feel they have a right to not only be offended, but to punish you for being offended. And that's the point where it's like, who decides who does the punishing and who gets punished? That's what scared me. And that's where I'm going to try to leave that at. That's where I'm just trying to leave that at. All right, it's 1025. <laughs> we have 35 minutes to do some Q&A. Then I have to go home, medicate, and go to bed. So, onwards <laughs> to Q&A. Oh, wait. I didn't know Bonnie was, was, was half black. I had no idea. <laughs> I really didn't. She's not. Oh, I thought you said that. No, I'm, t- I'm, oh, I'm, talking about- I'm referring to Donald Sterling. Oh, the VTVRE. Yeah, half black. Half Mexican. Okay. Bonnie's just... Bonnie's Mexican. Okay, that's what I was wondering. I never saw that interview. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Who, by the way, she went on uh, on Barbara Walters, and she said that she didn't think that Donald Sterling was a racist, which I think is... She's just trying to get paid. Yeah, no, she's, no. She's well, an idiot, yeah, too. That's, she's, that's she, a whole other conversation. She, yeah, well, yeah, she's I mean, awful, too. That's a whole other yeah, conversation. But, yeah, that, she's dumb. She's there's dumb there's no the winners in this story, by no, the way. No, 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 no one, one, no one, no one wins in the Donald Sterling story. Everyone, you all lose. Good day, sir. All right, let's go to some uh, CU, Q- CU podcast Q&A discussion topics. This is from uh, Zach Attack, 1984. Oosh. Like Thoughts on the Retron 5 debacle? More delays. I have pushed it again. I have heard that. I have to... $40 price increase. This is what I haven't heard. So this is... I cannot substantiate this. DOA review units. Did not arrive with review units. No communication. Pissed consumers. Uh, here's what I have to say. And I have to be very careful about how I word this. Uh, don't trust Hyperkin. 
I've said, I, oh, no, fuck it. From the very beginning. You do, you do business with the Hyperkin, so maybe you should be careful. Yeah, no, I, um, <laughs> let, let's take my silence as really my true thoughts on Hyperkin. I will just say this. Um, when you take pre-orders, when you take people's money up front, you have a responsibility to communicate Here, with, with them and, and at least keep them in the loop. That's my opinion. It's true, but here's the difference. It's, um, a lot of places started taking pre-orders without Hyperkin saying, look, I have issues with Hyperkin, plenty of issues, quality issues with Hyperkin products. I do. I'm sorry. I'm just going to go out and say that. Um, I tell it to my customers when they ask, uh, but a lot of these places like ThinkGeek and places that started taking pre-orders mm-hmm. were taking Amazon them, and Amazon were taking them because they wanted to take them because interest in the product was so high. I'm not so sure there was a lot of communication between the people who were taking the pre-orders and Hyperkin themselves. That said, Hyperkin has dropped the ball on this 500 times. Oh uh, yeah, they, uh, they, they, Retron threes. Uh, constant, I mean, I, I don't like bringing in Retron 3s because people... I bring The only reason I bring in Retron 3s to the store is because... Why am I whispering? Hyperkin's not going to hear me. Uh, <laughs> they have ears all around us. The only reason I bring Retron 3s... Here's what Hyperkin's really good at, okay? Hyperkin is really good at packaging. Hyperkin is really good at making things look snappy and snazzy. And silly consumers look at it and go, well, this box looks nicer than this box, so this must be the nicer item. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to buy this it's, one. It's better than the competing other, you know, right. retro system. Even the, even, like, even their controllers, like, their controllers are packaged really nicely, just, like, excellently. And then the other third-party company that's actually a lot better at making controllers is packaged kind of cheaply, but people always, even if I say this, these are the issues, people always go with the more expensive, hyperkin, nicely packaged one. Anyways, I, I just, I have, I've always feared since day one that the Retron 5 was going to be this disaster. I did not, I'm not even going to pretend like I thought it was going to be this bad. Well, again, it's, I mean, I, I was E3 last year when, if you look on YouTube and search for Retron 5, my face pops up with my big hair. It's got like a ton, of, it's got like 60,000 views for RetroWare. People are interested in this system. This is a huge deal if yeah. they come out with this system. I will buy this system if it does what it's promised. Oh, I just want to say, you know, the DOA stuff, the data on arrival, that was my main point. Not surprising at all. We've pulled How could you do that, though? How could you send out uh, review systems to people? By the way, when I asked them about review system last year, they told me no. Which I think it's funny. I'd be the prime audience to that, but whatever. But how could you send them out without with knowing they're dead? The, the quality control that we've seen from them is, is is that I've seen from them is little to none. All right, so I guess at this point, I'm going. We to no know. longer have a contract with Hyperkin. <laughs> Luna doesn't, <laughs> and I'm never going to get a review system anyway. No, but I think I'm going to wait and see for the first batch is sent out to to have people review on Amazon to say, does it do what it's promised? Before I plunk down now, 140 bucks. When it was 100, I thought that was a fine price. 140. A 40% increase in price? Something weird's going on. They must have really fucked up something in the development cycle to have a 40% price increase. Well, here's the deal. If you're going to raise it 40 bucks, it better fucking work. Like, if you're trying to recoup your costs because you're putting more what? into R&D, that's fine. But if you just misjudged what this was going to be, then that's that's BS. I mean, there, I, there's, there's no room for them to have DOA systems at this point. And plus, supposedly, they put out some sort of weird video on April uh, 1st for April Fool's that pissed off people. Uh, two, which I haven't seen, but that's not good if you have if you keep pushing a system back, keep people in the dark, and all of a sudden 
you put out an April Fool's video, that's sort of crass yeah. and bad judgment. So, oh, whatever. We'll see what happens with the Retron 5. I'm, I'm pulling for it personally because I think it would be a cool system. And I would use it a lot. This is from... At Ursa's Rage. Jonathan, can you talk a little bit about your favorite controllers? How do you feel about Arcade Stick versus Control Pad? Okay. Um, one of my favorite controllers... Uh, and I'm only going to touch on this briefly because I think we've done this before, is the six-button Genesis controller. That's that's quality. I really like it. It's fun for fighting games. I like the second-design Saturn controller a lot. Um, With triggers that actually don't break. And uh, I do actually think the 360 controller, minus the shitty D-pad, oh. is a fairly comfortable controller to hold. The D-pad kills it for me, though. Yeah. Um, in terms of arcade stick versus controller... That's totally up to you, and I, I don't get on people who want to use one over the other. With fighting games, and I'm not good at them, I personally like the fight stick better. Uh, why? Just because if I'm ever in a position where I'm gonna I'm in an arcade and I can play against someone just even for fun, I, I I'm more I'm more on that level. You're more on. I'm yeah. I'm, well, that too. Um, but I, I'm more on that level. The uh, because with more fingers available. It's just easier to hit those combos that require the dexterity. Sure. That said, I know a lot when I do play fighting games with people at my place, like on a Sunday, and when I have people over for fighters, we usually use pads. Why? Because most people are just comfortable with pads. Well, yeah, and fun. we're not playing at a high enough right. level where it's going to matter. I prefer joysticks for uh, shooters. Yeah. Uh, just because my thumb gets tired and it wears you down. Yeah, playing Raiden with a like playing like the Raiden like games with like an arcade stick is just fantastic. The TurboGrafx arcade stick is is a must have for the shooters in the yep. system. It's, it's it nice. just feels nicer. It feels a little bit more precise. I would just say, it's just more fun. Yeah. That's all I can say. The, for, bu- the buttons are nice now too. Um, I, I, we have talked about this before. I I love, I just love how the the Super Nintendo controller laid out the design going forward for all their control pads. I always talk about this. We have talked about this because I'm, I'm I'm actually pretty negative on the Super. I know Nintendo. you're negative. Yeah. I know it had flimsy triggers, but other than that, I love the, I love the controller. The, the D pad is fantastic. Mushy, mushy, The D pad is fantastic buttons. on that thing. Mushy. Pulling off so many freaking sweet Street Fighter two special moves. Anyway, um, I love the NES Max for games like ice hockey. You and Treg both. That's fantastic for ice hockey or, or track and field or anything where you have to go like. You know, left and right a lot smoothly. I do really like. I mean, I and I think I mentioned this when we discussed before. I love an NES controller that's just in good shape, crisp, clean. Like the D pad yeah. on an NES controller is nice. The buttons have that nice feel to them. They could they could have put the NES D pad on an Xbox 360 controller. No one would have, would have complained. You right. know, it would yeah. have been I fine. Mean, you know, the, don't overthink it. Well, then that's the thing that I mean. You know, everything started to get more ergonomic and round. And I suppose you had to, as you added more buttons. But um, the rectangle shape of the NES never hurt my hands. I always thought it was. I mean, it, playing the marathon it hurts after like six seven hours. I mean, it does not hurt. You get you dig a corner, <laughs> but thumb. it's really not that bad. Okay, next. This is from at Mark Varley M Varley sixty four. How important is video game music to the lasting appeal of games? I frequent frequently go back to classics just to hear the music again. It's as important as is any other medium. TV, movies, it's it becomes part of the experience. You cannot imagine... We spoke, spoke about this before. You cannot imagine playing Legend of Zelda without the soundtrack. It's true. And, uh, I mean, a recent example, I recently picked up a Ninja Gaiden for the PC Engine. Uh, it's a great port. Um, it's really, really pretty. I mean, the colors on the, the game are just fantastic. But the soundtrack is mostly different. I don't think it's 100% different. A couple of tracks sound familiar. But it, it just... It, 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 it was definitely 
almost not as enjoyable because it just didn't have. It's not it, part of it's nostalgia because it wasn't the music I remember. It didn't seem to fit though. But right? but the, no, it, it was just it was it was poorly done. It was the part that they put the least the the least effort into. The cutscenes looked great. They had a lot of added animation. The cut. Co- I mean, it was very colorful. Everything about the the PC engine imported Ninja Gaiden is pretty much fine, except for the music really detracts from it. So yeah, music's very important. It's primo important. What? (laughs) This is from at Jason Newman. Have you ever thought about doing a Path Nanny's Punk themed video game? Uh, Ian would make a great final boss. (laughs) My life is a Path Nanny's Punk video game and Ian is a final boss every freaking day. He's yelled at me so much the past week and a half, you have no idea. Only because you provoked it. I I don't provoke you most of the time. Most of the time. (laughs) I'm a lot better. Than what I used to be. I would like to devi- I would like to develop my own pattern. If I was the final boss, I'm gonna be your own the- pattern. Yeah, I'm gonna be devious. It'll be tricky. <laughs> Three different patterns that you go. When you think I'm with? gonna do the double hop, I'm actually just gonna do one big hop. Oh, wow. or three short hops. I about a random pattern. No, that's no fair. That's no fair. So you want to get killed, really? Yeah, at some point. Um, this is from at Nate Wilcox twenty three. Hello, Nate. Pointless question for a completely unnecessary podcast. Which we between you two. Who do you think could go longer without wearing socks? I think I actually because I wear sandals more often. Yeah, no, I uh, I pretty much wear shoes all day until I get into bed. I think feet are weird, which is funny because when I first moved here, I saw weirdos walking around with like jeans and sandals. Thinking I would never do that, and like three and a half years later, I started doing that yeah. every once in a while. Yeah, you really kind of. That's as most San Diego as you'll see me. The, the ha- <laughs> sandals and and the hair grown out. That's it. Everything else, who cares? Um. This is from at Jerron, who writes for the Punk Hey, Jerron. Hello, Jerron. With esports getting more and more popular, how long before we start seeing them in the Olympics? <laughs> and he puts hashtag chess. Jerron, I hope you are not being serious about this. Because uh, this is how I'll say it. To me, sports are athletics. That's how I define a sport. I'm not saying, I'm not saying competitive games. I, and I'm a chess player. That's important, but that to me is not a sport. Sorry, it's not. To me, it's not a sport. We're more likely to see an e-Olympics than we ever are to see e-sports worked into actual Olympics. Chess is never going to be in the Olympics, and chess has more right to be in, in the Olympics than any video game. Yes. And that's never going to happen. Bowl- they can't even get bowling in the Olympics. You know, So if they can't get bowling, they're not going to get chess. They're not going to get quote-unquote e-sports. Yeah. I'm just going to... Can we just name it something else? Because it's not. A, it's not a sport. I know people are going to get pissed at me. All the Melee fans are going to come after me. It's not a sport. It's not a sport. It's a game. Next. <laughs> I think esports is a fine term for it. Electronic sport? Yeah. Shouldn't that be then only the Madden games or NHL, you know? Oh, I'm going to punch you. Move on to the next one. <laughs> this is our last question from at Cro-Nintendo with a zero. What do you guys miss most about the East Coast? Was collecting easier or harder East compared to West? Oh, I spoke about this all the time. East Coast collecting licks balls. <laughs> and it licked balls before I moved out here. And now I get absolute horror stories. Compared to even when I left in 2009, it was getting very difficult to find a damn thing. And now it's like dried up entirely think, on the East Coast, at least in New Jersey. I think it's located, I think it's more, I think it has more to do with very specific location. And I think it has to do with timing because where I was in Buffalo in 98, 99, when I was doing most of my buying, it was a paradise. 
98 though yeah, i'm talking I know, about I know, I know, five I know. years ago i mean now i don't i don't know i mean i do know that the guy who was at the super flea in buffalo which is closing down eventually soon here the super flea um was still selling his stuff for very reasonable prices his nes games um they had gone up but he still was i mean this is a guy who made his money off of selling in mass quantities so he could let things go for smaller sure. amounts um other things that i miss about the east coast uh I I miss it's kind of a stereotype, but it, I think I find it true. Um, people on the East Coast are far more upfront with you about things that they're thinking, uh, as opposed to West Coast, which is more of a "Hey man, it's all groovy, let it slide," which leads to a lot of backstabbing and stuff. Now that's generalizing. I, I mean, m- sure. most of my best friends now are here. Granted, a lot of them are not from here, but even the ones who are are just people who I've picked carefully who don't do that sort of thing. But I do feel like you find a lot more upfront, in-your-face energy on the East Coast, which a lot of people might not like, but I do. And I find that you have a lot of things left unsaid on the West Coast, which bothers me. You're talking about more personalities? I'm talking about the actual collecting I'm talking about, well, he asked both, but I'm I'm, I'm talking talking personalities. Yeah, sure, I miss diners. I miss miss, miss 24-hour eateries. There's there's one we have to talk there's, about. There's like two or three. The cars on uh, uh, Sports Arena Boulevard. I haven't tried it. I haven't tried it. We should try it. All right. But there's no other diner. Denny's is not Denny's is Denny's is an no. eatery, not a diner no. to me. I mean Denny's. If you're traveling, you need a 24-hour place to eat. It does in a pinch. But I, what I'm talking about is a good portion of the restaurants on the East Coast in Buffalo were open till two, three, or 24 hours a day. Oh yeah, even two. You go to like a, a TGI Fridays, they close at two. Yeah. They serve food until like one thirty. Yeah. Out here, everything closes like at 10, 30, 11. Nothing, restaurants. Nothing on the weekend closes before two in Buffalo. Most sit-down diners are open 24 hours a day. But even do even the chain restaurants around here close that early in the weekends? Or at least they open until like 12.30? But everything closes earlier in San Diego. Yeah. But whatever. The people, yes. The people are more passive-aggressive, which I can't stand. Nope. If, if you hate me, say it to my face. At least I'll respect you. Yes. I may not like you, but at least I'll respect you. Uh, but that goes for th- things in general. Uh, and backstabbing, which I can't stand. Um, girls are pretty out in the West Coast. And they're nicer. That's the other thing. Um True. But uh, the game deals, though, yes. Uh, it seems like it was like three years behind. So the first three years, I moved out to San Diego. In the three years I was out here, uh, and I said this before, and it's true, I bought more games from the flea markets here in the three years versus the ten years I had been in flea markets before in New Jersey. Easily, at least, maybe double the amount. The collection I brought here was probably half. Not even, I'd say a third of what before I came here. I always wonder a how third much. third at most. We've talked about it, and I think I put more on, emphasis on it than most people do. I wonder how much of that was just regional, though. Just being in a fresh area with new stuff. It, it could be, but I, I mean, I don't know. I think it's the mentality. I, I don't know. Maybe people are more more on the go, looking for deals. And like, like I always said, the first reseller I encountered that was, it was the first one I saw, really, that affected me, and plus he was an asshole. Um, that was back in like 2006, 2005, and was that when you first visited Luna Video Games and interacted with me? No, that was 2008. Oh, okay. Which was a very fun experience, <laughs> and, I, and I bought Baby Boomer and uh, Prince of Persia boxed. Prince of Persia boxed was complete. I think we got it for like eight bucks. Was it only eight bucks? Eight and bucks. And Baby Boomer was like fifteen or something. Fifteen. Thank you, Ian. You're welcome. There's a reason why I kind of tolerate you. Kind of tolerate me. But anyway, so yeah, I, I love San Diego. Uh, I went back. I went back a, a few weeks ago. I think I'm still recovering from that trip, and I don't miss the cold weather at all. I do. I do not. I, I do not miss it at all. I'm a penguin. Um, 
You're, you're a penguin? I think I think if you were to peel off my skin, I'd just be a penguin underneath. Okay, that's creepy. Um, <laughs> and then we're going to wrap we're gonna wrap up this uh, completely unnecessary podcast. Um, coming up um, next week, God willing... Oh, plus, oh, my birthday's on Friday. Yay! I'm turning... Um, uh, <laughs> I'm turning... Um, a new NES Punk episode's going to come out next week. Woo! Followed by a flea market madness, probably the week after, and an ass Frank. And I gotta do a whole new ass Frank series of questions. We run out. This is an NES Punk episode that I'm actually looking forward to watching. Ian has seen probably three out of the fifty. I've done fifty NES Punk episodes. I actually counted. My last was only fifty. You've seen probably three or four out of fifty. I've seen more than you think. I just don't tell you. But I certainly have not seen all of them. But this one. Oh, this one I will see opening day. Opening day? Opening day. You're, you're going to go buy on uh, movietickets.com? I'm going to take it and some popcorn, and opening day, I'm watching that Got to go to the kiosk, and you're yep. going to slide it in. No spoilers, guys. <laughs> you stay tuned. And you got to work on the, on the CU Podcast theme song, Ian. Uh, I, I, I was on Monday. Were you really? You yeah. didn't send me any samples. You know, I, I, I dabbled well, in electronic music a little I bit. Get, uh, I get discouraged, and then I fuck off. That's not good for a CU Podcast partner. No. We'll get there. <laughs> Alright. This was a very, uh, very sleek yet action-packed. Uh, it, was like, it, was like, it was like it was like Captain America. Too. It was like Captain America. It was. It wasn't like some episodes like Amazing Spider-Man Two, where it's two hours, two and a half hours. It feels like two and a half hours. This was two and a half hours. I felt like uh, all killer, no filler, right here. And with that, we'll see you next time for Ian Ferguson. I am Pat Contry. Bye, bye, everybody.